Welcome to the Hinton and District Chamber of Commerce. You are listening to Chamber Chatter, a podcast that features local Hinton businesses and interviews that will inspire, educate, and connect you to the local community resources you need and want as an entrepreneur. I'm Jessica Zimmer. I'm Chamber President here at Hinton. I'm also the branch manager at RBC. And I've got Paul here with me. And I'm Paul Lovson. I'm a fellow board director and I manage the Friesen Brothers here in town. And today on episode two, we've got Nathan Schneider with us uh, from Logic Control. Nathan, thank you so much for being willing to come on our podcast. You're kind of a guinea pig. We're round two with this, but thank you for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your business? Well, thanks, Jessica, for inviting me. Um, so I own Logic Control, so it's a company that's been incorporated for about 16 years now. Uh, I founded just a desire to own my own business, and, and I looked for avenues that we could actually make that happen. And electrical trade was one of them that I was able to pursue. So our company handles the oil and gas uh, industry around the area. We do everything from solar, chemical pumps, uh, maintenance on plant sites, right down to residential if required to, to help people out. And that's kind of our goal and our, our transition point. The instrumentation side is something that a lot of people don't know about. Uh, it's more it's more specialized industrially. It's actually to do more with the transmitters, level control, uh, VID blocks, things that would make sense to the oil and gas type industry or to your industrial customers like uh, uh, West Fraser Town. Wow! So sixteen years. Um, that's pretty impressive. How did you get started in this sixteen years ago? Well, I actually so I lived in a lot of different communities, and I managed to start an electrical apprenticeship actually in Fox Creek. Uh, there became a bigger, larger demand in the Hinton area. The area was growing, not a lot of oil and gas development was happening at the time. So it became just an easier place to move to, to start a family, and not a lot of competition. So as we, as I worked through, I, I actually started working at Panther Controls, the company's been here for many, many years. I uh, worked with Dwayne Morrison, and over time, we just kind of started going down different avenues. He was pursuing different industries. I stayed focused with oil and gas, which was Canadian Natural now owned and at the time. So that uh, created opportunities. And because the opportunities were there, I felt I just needed to pursue it and start my own company. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so you're in uh, this particular industry. Do you have any background in instrumentation? What kind of formal education do you have? Electrician? and So I'm a drill electrician, which... Uh, I'm also red sealed, which in the province means I'm identifiable across Canada. I'm my ticket is transferable. I can then work in Ontario, Nova Scotia. That's the designation of the red seal portion. I'm also blue sealed, which there's not a lot of blue sealed companies or uh, blue sealed, I guess, uh, people. Blue sealed indicates that you're management certified. It means that you've taken a minimum number of hours of courses. In my case, I have a two year diploma from Dr. McEwen in business. And that correlated directly across to achieving that blue seal designation. Wow. So, do you find that something that a lot of your competitors have? No. Uh-huh. Actually, there's, there's a big push, though, in the industry to try to get more people educated that way. You know, we've got to diversify, we've got to grow the businesses. And if you can understand more of the, well, the legal aspects, balance sheets, uh, I think those types of things, you're going to make a well rounded business. So. There, there's a lot more push to kind of show those courses, sort of get that development happening. But you know, we're busy enough trying to learn the trade and, and keep up with all the changes that happen in that. So I don't think 
this is readily engaged by the government and, and, and sort of pushed. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that um, this was, you know, Hinton wasn't where you were. You saw opportunity here. You weren't born and raised here. Tell me a little bit. You've, you've come from other communities. What makes Hinton different? Well, kind of backpedal. Then I, I grew up in Hannah, so southern Alberta. Was used to the Chinooks, flatlands. My first job actually was with Fraser Markets, working for Doug Loves and uh, Paul's uncle. Uh, at that point in time, didn't know what I wanted to do. 14 years old, got asked to come in and add groceries and stuff. And I went, ah, who needs that job? I'm 14. <laughs> yeah. But as uh, a couple more requests came in, and I found myself in the grocery business, and I, I loved it. And I, I enjoyed the people that I worked with. I had some incredible mentors to, to learn from, follow. Uh, it was going to be something that I wanted to do. And that, that got me the opportunities to move to Drumheller. I lived in Drumheller for a year. Uh, worked in the meat department and learned to cut meat through the, the company. That uh, then led me to get McEwen because I made a promise to one of the shareholders, Peter Chalik, to uh, go to school. Wow. So he said, if you don't go to school, uh, I'm not going to let you move to Drumheller. So through that, that got me into Edmonton. I went to get McEwen, uh, received a scholarship from Freezer Markets. Uh, immediately finishing school, I was hired as the assistant manager for the Barhead store. Uh, that led to a different opportunity to go up to Manning, and eventually to get close to, to my girlfriend and my future wife, I moved to Fox Creek. And at that point in time, things just changed for me. I chose a different career path for myself and got into the electrical. And that's how it all kind of started. It wasn't you know, anything that was planned. It just went toward the, the, this opportunities existed. Because uh, of Fox Creek and the development there, because oil and gas has been there since the 40s, 50s, they, when the opportunity started to show up in Hinton, it was like, it's a no-brainer. I'm getting married. we got to have a career that's going to be beneficial for my wife, for me. Um, we needed a place that was going to support what we wanted. We wanted the mountains. We wanted the hiking. We wanted just the lifestyle that's offered here. And, and either that or we were going to try right here. I mean, we wanted a location that was going to be close to us. The benefits of Hinton was I showed up, dropped off a resume, and they said, when do you want to start? <laughs> and the same thing with, with Roxy. She walked into the hospital, and they interviewed her right then and there. So it was just a great time to be moving into Hinton because, it, and it seems really weird saying that, because at the same time, coal mines were shutting down. Um, everybody was kind of pulling back and then here's a guy that's saying oh I love this place I'm moving here there's opportunity and uh, we were just able to grow that so that's kind of a neat way how we, we got here oh I love that I I realized um, before this interview started that there's actually a lot about you I don't know and I it's it's really fascinating getting to hear kind of that how you came to be this this business owner that I know so well now but but not knowing the, the origin story well and it's the other part of it, I've, I've been very quiet for quite a few years. Uh, having a family, I had to really kind of balance between them, you know, and making sure that my kids had dad time and, and the business. And you know, owning a business isn't easy. It's yeah. a lot of work. It's a lot of hours invested into something like that. So you, you kind of got to come up with that balance. And so I didn't get involved with the community. I didn't get involved with the chamber. My kids were little you know as, as they're growing up and they're needing grandparent time and things like that our time was focused 100 percent with them 
It's only once they started achieving, you know, 13, 14, 15, that, and I felt a need to give back to the community. Uh, things changed in my business too. There, there was a time when things got really sold out on gas. So I needed a different sort of an outlet, uh, ability to network, ability to connect. And my kids didn't need me. They're, they're now doing their thing and they're being involved. So that opened the doors to, to get involved and to make a difference and, and see what we could do. And, and you talk about getting involved in your community. What, um, how important is that to you and to your business in getting involved in these different types of boards and committees and, and what have you? How important is that to you? It's, as far as my business goes, I'm, I'm not doing it for the business. Uh, the business will look after itself. There, there's always going to be a need for electrical assistance, you know, or our expertise because we're, we're very specialized. To me, the, the engagement with the community is the most important part because we've got opportunity. And unless people are willing to step up, get involved, it's, it's not going to happen. And, and the reality is that it's a vision and a dream that kind of has to move. You have to be... You have to be able to step up, and you've got to be doing it because you want to do it. If it's if you're looking for other reasons to become involved and they're to line your own pocket or to be involved in business, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You need to be totally committed to helping because you want to help. And I try to keep that separation between my business and me because I don't ever want people to perceive that I'm only doing this because I want to help my business that way. My business isn't really talent type stuff. My business is more industrial. My business is the larger customer that almost is faceless in, in an aspect where there are great people that are there, but it's a larger entity. And so we service them and we look after them. And I take the lessons that I actually learned from the grocery business of looking after my customer and I apply that to my business. I keep my board stuff because I want to be involved with the board. And, and I, I've, since then I've set up on you know, three or four different boards that I'm now actually involved in because I just felt there's a need to get involved. Wow. I I love hearing that. Just even, you know, what you learned as a teenager and kind of growing up in the grocery business and being able to kind of take those lessons and, and values and, and apply that into a totally different industry. That's really fascinating. Um, I also wanted to ask, just talking about being in the business for 16 years, I mean, I'm sure you've had your fair share of challenges, recessions, you know, how have you overcome those? How have you been able to keep your skin in the game? You know what, that's, that's a very good question because it is so easy to give up. It yeah. is so easy to quit. Um, but when you invest those those hours, that time, that the money, the, everything that's involved in it, and when you have people that are working for you, they're looking to you to guide them, to lead them. And if you falter even just a bit, they can see it and they pick up on it. And so no matter how hard it was, and then we, we got kicked. We got kicked really, really hard with the recession the first time with the oil and gas and things. We weren't diversified. We made a mistake where we never, I ultimately, the mistake I made was that I never diversified from one company. I, I had 14 people working for me and uh, all our eggs were in that one basket because we weren't servicing them 100%. We, we couldn't keep up with the work they were hitting us with. And because of that, when I was approached by another company, I actually said no. Right. And they looked at me and went, are you out of your mind? Nobody's ever said no 
to, to us for work. This is this is unheard of. And I said, but because I can't do it 100%. If I can't look after them right now 100%, I can't look after you. So I'm going to do two jobs bad. Right. And then I'm going to lose both. So I, I maintained, you know, with the holes that you have on basket. And when the, they made a change on, on management and they made a change on who they're going to use, that was very devastating. And people, my staff, they were looking at me, hey, how do you do this? How do you keep going? I said, because if I don't, you're going to leave. You know, if I can't show you that there's still good times. And I surrounded myself by things that would remind me to keep going. Uh, I've got signs in my building that say, life's going to hit you in the head with a brick. Just keep going. And I, I took inspiration from Steve Jobs, Walt Disney. I put these things up all around me so that anytime I started feeling down and out, okay, there's people watching. And i got to show them that I believe in this still because if I don't, they're gone. And so we started it. We got through it. And that's how. You know, you have to be strong. You have to be committed. You have to stay the course because people leave. Yeah. Resilient. And we're a service business. You know, we are based entirely on the job we did before and how well it was and the successes that we had and, and the commitment that we gave to that, that client. If we don't do that, we're going to go somewhere else. And you raised some good points on, on leadership and management. I just want to ask, um, you know, if there was a younger person that was kind of looking to come into business, whether it was your particular business or other businesses, what would you say to them? How would you guide them? And what would be the biggest lessons you'd give them? Read. Read lots. Read lots of books. My favorite is, is Napoleon Hill. You know, he's got a lot of different ideas uh, that transcend time. You know, success through a positive mental attitude. Uh, think and grow rich. Do what you love, the money will follow. Those just simple little things, that if you, you think about them, you, you keep them in the back of your head, you make it something that you work at. Uh, one of the other great things that he always said was, uh, never enter into a contract with somebody that's only one-sided. It needs to be mutually beneficial to everybody. And if you follow that and you treat your customers that way, that this is going to be a, a beneficial exchange, you're always going to win. So read lots, um, go to school. Education is always a plus. Uh, and you have to have a desire. You have to just want it. I, I knew from eight years of age that I was going to be a business owner. How? I didn't know. Um, was I going to be rich? Oh, yes, I was going to be super rich and everything else. I've changed that definition. Rich is, is not money. Rich is... How do you feel at the end of the day? Do you, did you do everything you could for people? So you do those kind of things. You change your outlooks. You read these books. You get education. You surround yourself by like-minded people. Uh, you, you follow a guideline and a mantra for yourself. And you stick to it. And that's it. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And you got to work hard. And if you love it, and this is what they say again in these books, do what you love money will follow. And I tell my daughters that all the time, you know, you guys need to pick careers and jobs, not because you just see money attached to it, but that you truly love it. And if you truly love it, then you'll make money out of it. Yeah, it's yeah. just going to come because everybody can see the joy that you have doing that job, that position, that thing. And it doesn't matter what you are. Yeah. You could be, one of the analogies they say is, is I would sooner be a first-rate truck driver than a fourth-rate CEO. 
Yeah. That makes a lot of sense when you digest that and think about it because it's a job you're doing at the end of the day. I, I like that you shared also how you were able to kind of redefine what success meant to you. And I mean, I mean, you're talking about wanting to be an entrepreneur at eight. Um, so I'm sure from eight to, to now, like obviously that, that perspective changes, but I really like that you shared that. It's it's not necessarily about becoming, you know, loading your pockets with as much money as possible, but how you feel at the end of the day. And I'm sure there were some sleepless nights along the journey too. <laughs> oh, you know, when you're hemorrhaging money, and then you're hemorrhaging <laughs> 10 years of, of savings that you put in it because you know that, like in my business, uh, I don't owe anybody anything. Uh, I have a credit card that we purchase everything within our business. Our credit card is paid off every month. We accumulate the points, and this is why we do this. So we have that one thing that we can take for our family that's for us, for all the hard work, for everything. We can get some holidays, and I can educate my kids. But... When you do that, you know, you constantly have to save money because it's, you got to be having, you know, it's got to be available for the next job. You yeah. can't be living on credit. Cash is king. Cash is, you know, <laughs> and so when you, you change your business to that sort of model, then you're always conscious about the next job and what's it going to need and how are you going to do that? When, when you start walking into a project that might be $500,000, you gotta have that money. You gotta be able to put stuff aside. You gotta be able to handle that cash flow based on how your customers are gonna pay you. Maybe they're 60 days, maybe they're 90 days. Uh, there's delays in time. So you gotta juggle all these things while maintaining your staff and paying them and looking after their needs. So you, you do those things and it just changes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here, here you talk a lot about managing your business and your cash flow. Um, I'm curious if you've had the opportunity to, to mentor others. Well, that's the neat thing. And not so much as far as, as a business. Uh, I mean, hopefully everybody's... I, I would actually should backtrack. Sean, uh, one of the guys who works with me, he's partnered up with... Uh, he's involved with Reagan, they own Blue Diamond. Uh, I'm, I would believe that he's seen from his own parents. He's seen from, from our successes as a company and being mentored that way. Absolutely. Uh, the bigger successes are that we do apprenticeships. So we take people, we generally, it takes, it's really hard to start an apprentice from square one because our business needs to be a little bit more reactive to the client's needs. But we have taken people through the company, the locals and things like that. We started from a first year apprenticeship and nothing gives me greater joy than to see them actually achieve that at the end and get that, that certificate. And, and knowing that I've helped set them on a career path where they can do whatever they want. That ticket can never be taken from them. And they always have something that they can fall back on that will get them through anything. And if they decide to change and go into something else, they still went through post-secondary education to get a ticket to be able to complete something. And so I take a, a great accomplishment from that, knowing that people did that. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you were the past chamber president and just kind of switching topics a little bit. Um, what does the, the chamber here need to do to, um, you know, help you and your business? Is there anything that we can, uh, you know, improve on? What are your thoughts on, you know, the what, what we have right now for services? And is there anything that, you know, we could do as a, as a board to, to help you and your business? Well, my business will will be successful based on the growth of the town and the community and the businesses that are brought in. 
uh, that's how the chamber can help me. But but the chamber's doing the best thing they can do right now by just trying to talk to all the businesses that are around and getting them on board. That when when everybody understands locally that we're all in this together and that you're supporting your local businesses and you're supporting a local person and those the services that come with it, then we all win. And, and that's where I feel that the chamber has really got some great strengths and stride. I'm a huge, huge, huge advocate of the DMO DMF because this is the first time in 20 years of being or living in Hinton that I think we've come this close to getting an organization going that can help uh, basically fund any sort of event that we want to do in the future. And when we can start bringing those events, then we can start creating people, we start getting more services, we start getting more things happening in our community, we, we create a bigger pin on the map so that we become a destination point. Uh, these things all lead back to all of our businesses, and it's just a huge win. That's the, the one key component that if I could advocate for, or I want my, my chamber to keep moving into that direction, is the success behind that model. Uh, people need to understand that once we start doing that, that monies now that come from our taxation to sponsor all the events and things that we want, no longer comes from us. It comes from the people that are visiting and seeing the great things that they can do in our community. Maybe they make that decision to build a home or buy a place here. That's the win. And if the chamber could keep, you know, and continually to see that develop and grow and get the rest of the business community on board and understanding what that is, that's the big win for me right there because more things will come out of that. I love that feedback. It Thank just you. has to, yeah. Yeah. And it's been, I mean, I, I know you were involved in getting it off the ground as well, and we are the closest we have ever been to, to making it actually happen. So thank you for touching on that. Um, yeah. What else do you got? Um, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to wrap up. Uh, Nathan, it's been so amazing getting to just have this, this short little conversation with you to get to learn more about you and your business and, and how you've worked with the chamber. We really appreciate your time today, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well. I did. This has been fun. You know, it's uh, the chamber is a great organization. In my mind, I wouldn't have got involved with it, and if I wouldn't have been involved with it, I wouldn't have been involved with the boards I'm now sitting on and done. So it was kind of a gateway for me to be able to get in, to have the confidence to get into other areas and other things. Yeah, amazing. I, I agree. It's it's been. I mean, I'll, I'll just share too, for, for myself, the development and the networking and the sense of community, especially getting to, to learn more about the business community. And as we strengthen that core of our, our community, it's just the domino effect that, that happens. So oh, anyways, thanks again, Nathan. <laughs> we, can keep, we can Thank keep you. talking for another 25 minutes, but we'll wrap up. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Episode two. Stay tuned for more Chamber Chatter to come. Bye.